0: Bob. What about Bob, right? Pure paranoia over everything, right? And so we have Richard Dreyfuss who's in there and he is telling him it's just about taking baby steps. Baby steps. Well, today we are going to talk about somebody in the Bible who, kind of like Bob in that movie, was trying to take baby steps in his faith in his relationship with jesus he was taking baby steps now jesus wanted him to kind of take leaps but peter was not ready and so he was taking baby steps and so we're going to talk about peter today peter is trying to take baby steps in his faith but but peter is also one of those that that he was somewhat impetuous he was one of those people, Peter was, that he was uh, not in his faith, which was somewhat interesting, although he did at times, but, but he would be one of those that he would jump and then he'd think about, oops, maybe I shouldn't have. He would talk without thinking about how it would come across or, or how people might view him or, or whether or not he could follow through on what he just promised, Peter was one of those people. He jumped before thinking. He talked before uh, understanding how it might work out. Can anybody in here relate to Peter? (laughs) Don't raise your hands. You're fine. (laughs) Peter is one of those guys. he He just couldn't quite get things right. And so we're going to talk about Peter today, and and we're going to focus on Peter, but we're going to focus on one other person. It's kind of a big deal because it's Easter. The other person is Jesus. We're going to look at Peter and Jesus, and we're going to look at an interaction that they have around the setting of a meal, specifically a breakfast. Jesus has just, as we know, for your sins and my sins, right? That's, that's the whole message of salvation from Jesus is that he was crucified for our sins. We put him there. Because of our sin, he took our place. And so he did all that, and then he's buried in a tomb. But we have Easter, right? The tomb could not hold Jesus. It just couldn't. No matter how hard it wanted to try, it could not hold God. God is greater than sin and greater, way greater than death. And so we celebrate today. He, is, he has actually been seen by His disciples a couple of different times. He's been seen by hundreds of people alive and well, which is pretty crazy because a lot of people saw Him get placed in the tomb. And He's walking around and He's talking with people. And, and today we're going to look at a meal. And this is the last of our series. We've been in this series called Let's Eat. And we've been looking at meals that Jesus is having face-to-face with people. And today is the last in our series, and we're going to talk about a meal. It was a breakfast. It was a breakfast. forever. And so we're going to take a look at this story, but the other person... is going to catapult Peter into a whole new level with his risen Lord and Savior. So let's look at this story from directly as it is recorded by John in chapter 21. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 21. Let's read the story. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Okay, this is the third time he appears to his disciples. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some fish. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his tunic for he had taken it off to work to fish. And he jumped into the water and headed to shore. Again, impetuous Peter. The other stayed with the boat, probably smarter, and and pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. So Jesus shows up on the shore of this lake, and he finds that the disciples, after all they've been through, and Jesus was crucified on the cross for the sins of the entire world, and he rose from the dead. Whoa, crazy. And what do the disciples do as soon as that happens? Just a few days later, they say, Well, um, should we? uh, I'm going to go fishing. Really? You're just going to go out in a boat? And you're going to go after all that happened? And Jesus, I'm sure, it doesn't say it here, but I'm sure he's kind of a little perplexed, a little like, really? We did all of this? And I just, this was like the pivotal moment in all of history, and and now you're fishing? You're just going to go into a boat? But understand, of course, and Jesus knows this, the disciples, this is what they're used to, right? Right? But when Jesus called them to be his disciples, to follow him for years, and then he was crucified, and then he's risen again now, the disciples are probably wondering what to do. When Jesus called them originally, most of them, not all of them, but most of them were fishermen. That was their career. That was their job, their livelihood. And so they're just going back to what they know, their old lifestyle. (laughs) But Jesus says, we need to be done with this old lifestyle. You're not fishers of men anymore, or you're not fishers of fish anymore. You're fishers of people. You're going to find people and you're going to change their lives like I showed you how to do for years. And so Jesus shows up at the lake. (laughs) And and remember, these people, they're, they're professional fishermen. They've been fishing all night. How many had they caught? Zero. They're doing really well. Maybe they just weren't good at their job. I, I don't know. You know, but they couldn't catch any fish. And then Jesus, and they didn't know it was Jesus at that point, but he says, uh, tell you what, just throw it on this side of the boat. Let's we'll see what happens. Whoa! He does this miracle to demonstrate, hey, do you remember me? I know I died, and now I'm risen from the grave and everything, but do you remember? I can do some pretty awesome stuff. And they haul in this miraculous catch of fish. They can't even pull the net in up to the boat because it would have Swamp the boat. And we have this whole thing going on here. And they're sitting at breakfast. And just imagine, okay, Jesus had died. They watch him die. And they watch him get buried in a tomb. And now they're hanging out with him at breakfast. This is a pretty crazy deal. But they're hanging out with breakfast. They're eating fish and bread over cooked over a, a nice open fire. I bet you didn't know that Jesus was a celebrity chef. You guys didn't know that, did you? See, you learned something on Easter. Isn't that great? And Jesus was this celebrity chef, and he's cooking fish and bread over this open fire. And they're having breakfast. They're hanging out. But then Jesus realizes, actually, he didn't realize it. <laughs> he knew this already. He knows that he needs to confront somebody in this group because a relationship was broken. Wasn't it? Not by Jesus, but by Peter. Peter. Peter broke the relationship the night that Jesus was arrested and betrayed and eventually crucified. Peter broke the relationship. And so Jesus confronts Peter with a conversation. Let's look at verses 15 through 17 and look at this conversation that they have. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So what is going on here? I don't know about you, but I've always thought that this was a strange conversation. <laughs> it seems to me like Jesus is hard of hearing. You know, Simon, do you love me? I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. Do do you love me? And Peter's, I said I love you. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you do you love me? You know, but that's not what's going on here. Jesus hears him just fine. Jesus is being very intentional with his conversation with Peter. And there's this very specific reason for that. The last time Peter was standing next to an open fire, Jesus was. In another building just inside the courtyard where Peter was standing next to that fire, Jesus was on trial for his life. And eventually he'll be condemned even though they brought falsified claims and he was innocent. They condemn him to death. While that was happening, as Jesus was going into this trial, Peter is approached by three different people. And this is what Peter is. A lot of times people know Peter because of this. It's too bad that he's defined by this. But It's just the way it is. Peter is approached by three different people at three different times that night while he's at the fire. And they say, hey, hey, you, I don't know your name, but you were with Jesus. I saw you walking around with him. You, you were like, you're like one of his disciples, aren't you? And Peter throws Jesus under the bus and says, nope, never met the guy. Don't know him. Denies Jesus. Second person does it denies jesus nope don't know him third time no you were with jesus i know you were i saw you nope me and jesus i have no I, i don't even know who that is i don't know who you're talking about and it says in the bible jesus looks at him and then the rooster crows three times jesus had predicted that peter would do this three times peter said nope i don't know jesus Imagine what that would be like, one of your best friends, maybe your closest friend, in your worst or best or hardest, maybe, need in your life, and your best friend says, I don't even know you. I'm not even going to talk to you. I don't know who you are. Peter, because of his sin, because he was looking out for number one, first and foremost, his own life, said, Forget you, Jesus. I'm sorry. It's not worth it. I'm not going to pay the price with my life. And so Jesus is confronting Peter because, not because he wants him to feel bad. A lot of people feel that way when God confronts us. We feel bad and we get locked into this guilt thing. But this is not why Jesus is confronting Peter. Jesus is confronting Peter because he wants to reconcile the relationship. He wants to get back in good with Peter. And he wants Peter to be good with him. He wants Peter to understand, I still love you. But the question is, do you love me? (laughs) That's where Jesus is going with this. And so he asks him, is it an accident that Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? No, (laughs) it is no accident because Jesus knows Peter denied him three times. You know why Jesus does that? Because he gives you and I, just like he gave Peter, every opportunity that we can possibly have to reconcile with Christ, to reconcile with God. He gives us those windows of opportunities as much as he possibly can, as clearly as he possibly can to reconcile with him in our relationship with him. Jesus asked him three times because he knows Peter denied him three times. He's giving him the chance to reconcile, and Peter does. He affirms his love for Jesus. But there's something else going on here. And it's even perhaps deeper than the reconciliation of the relationship. (laughs) And you say, whoa, that's a pretty big deal, the reconciling of the relationship. Yes, it is. But Jesus is also giving peter an opportunity to up the ante he's giving him an opportunity to raise the level of his commitment to jesus in this conversation this is how it works in in, and i've talked about this dynamic before with other stories that we've talked about in the bible but in our language you know how many words we have for love we have one word we call it love right when I say I love a cheeseburger, I, I love a cheeseburger. I say I love my wife, I say I love my wife. Those are not the same kind of love. That'd be weird. Right? Let's be honest. That's strange. Right? But I do love a cheeseburger and I do love my wife. It's just that we don't have any words that differentiate between those levels. You know how many words the Greek language has for love? Four. Four different words. All of different variety or level of love. okay. Three of those words are used specifically in Scripture in the Word of God in the New Testament. Three of those words. There's different varying degrees of love that are used in the Bible. One of those words is eros. That's the, the physical or erotic love. I'll let you uh, deal with that one on your own. okay. The second two, the next one is phileo, which is a brotherly kind of love. It is a friendship love, a close friend or a close family member, somebody that you love very deeply as a close friend or as a family member. This is the most common kind of love that we show, by the way. When we talk about love, this is usually what we're all talking about. Again, the English language, it just falls way short. But when we say love, this is generally what we're talking about. This is is the kind of love that most commonly is shown by Christians to other people, too. This is the kind of love that we're supposed to, certainly. At the very least, the minimum, phileo. But then there's a second word, or that last word, is agapao. Agapao. This is the highest form of love. Selfless. Selfless. Sacrificial, unconditional. This word, agapao, is the highest form of love that a person can have. It is sacrificial completely. It is giving of yourself completely to whatever it is that you love. Agapao. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to go back and let's look at that conversation with some extra information added in. Because this will change completely how this conversation goes between Peter and Jesus. It changes everything. Okay? Here's the deal. The first time, okay? The first time that Jesus asked Peter, he says, "Do you agapao me?" Do you love me sacrificially? unconditionally. Peter responds, you know I love you, phileo. You know I love you like a friend, like a brother. No, 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 Peter. That's not what I asked you. (laughs) Do you agapao me? Do you love me sacrificially, unconditionally, completely? Yes, Lord. You know I love you, phileo. You know I love you like a friend, like a brother. (laughs) See what's going on here? It's kind of like somebody saying, I love you so much. I just, I can't not be around you. And the person responding with, yeah, I love you too. Same level? (laughs) Not so much. This is what's going on here. Finally, the third time, Jesus says he drops the standard a little bit To help Peter hopefully take a baby step in his faith. Peter, do you truly phileo me? Do you even love me as a brother, as a friend? Because you denied me, remember? He doesn't say that, but that's what Jesus is saying. Do you actually truly love me? Peter responds, I do phileo you. I love you like a brother, like a friend. What is Jesus trying to do in this conversation? What Peter is is realizing and what Jesus wants Peter to realize is, Peter, I love you as much as you can possibly love anybody. Sacrificially, unconditionally. Jesus has just died on the cross for Peter, for the disciples, for you and for me. All of us in this room, everybody in the whole world. He has just given himself, sacrificed himself because of this agapao kind of love. The highest love you can have. Peter needs to understand that. And Jesus is trying to help him to understand that. He's saying, I love you this way. Will you love me this way? (laughs) Do you love me sacrificially, unconditionally, no matter what? So we have the relationship is restored. Right, The relationship is restored. But Jesus is saying there's a whole other level to our relationship that we have not achieved yet. I need you to understand that I love you completely and unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to get out of love that I have for you. Can you love me the same, Peter? And I think that this is the question that he's asking you and I. Yeah, that's great. You think about Jesus. Yes, that's great that you believe in Jesus, or maybe you don't. But Jesus, I think, is asking, that's good. Can you reconcile with me my relationship with you? But can you take it to another level? Can you love me unconditionally, no matter what is happening in life at the moment? And that is what really the question becomes for you and I. Uh, I wrestled with sharing this, but this, this Easter week was one of the hardest for me personally ever, uh, maybe ever in my life. At the beginning of the week, I was down in Indiana uh, for the funeral of my grandmother. And uh, she, was, she would have been 89 next month. She lived a long, unbelievable life. It's my mom's mom. And we celebrated her life uh, at the beginning of the week. And then, while I was in Indiana, got word that we lost one of our own here at Northridge, Nancy Keeble. And we celebrated and, and, and honored her life just two days ago on Friday evening. So I attended two funerals on Easter week. I, and it's just, it's just been difficult. But I can tell you the reason I share this is because these two ladies have something in common that I think we all need to make sure that we understand and that we really get. And I was reminded, and it has hit home hard to me this week. And that is, these two women, my grandmother and Nancy, they lived for Christ with this agapao kind of love. They did. And you know what their funerals were like? They were sad. There were tears. We cried. We cried. I cried at both funerals. But you know what? They more were they were a celebration of their lives. Because they lived for Jesus more than anything else. I believe if they were at that breakfast, these two ladies, they could have answered Jesus, "Yes, I love you Akapao. I love you sacrificially, unconditionally, completely. I will do anything for you." Those two ladies lived their lives that way. And as a result, you know what their funerals were like? We celebrated them. I mean, really celebrated them, didn't we? We celebrated their lives. If you go back to people that know Nancy, that knew my grandmother in Indiana or Nancy here, you, stories upon stories would be told of how they gave sacrificially. They gave generously of their time, of their money, of their energy, of their efforts, of their possessions, of everything. They poured their lives out because Jesus poured their lives out to them. And that's a big deal because this is what Jesus is asking Peter. I love you completely. There's nothing I cannot give you that I have not already done. Will you love me the same? Is what Jesus is asking you and I. Like these ladies. There was a pastor who told a story of his hometown. There were two brothers in his hometown, and they were running around and playing, and they were playing at the edge of this river, and there was a, a sand bank next to the river, a huge mound of sand, and they were running up and down, playing tag, doing what brothers do, and they are chasing each other. Well, this mound of sand was not very stable. And all of a sudden, they hit a spot where the sand completely gave way, and they both started sinking in really quick into this mound of sand. And when the boys didn't show up for dinner, the family and the, the friends of this whole, and basically the whole hometown, it was a little town, they went searching for these two brothers. And the, the searchers, they finally found the youngest brother, and he was barely had his head and his shoulders above the sand, and he was unconscious. He's actually passed out from the struggle. And so they started clearing the sand away. And as they did, they got about halfway down his body and they he woke up. And they immediately said, where's your older brother? Where's your oldest brother? And he said, I'm standing on his shoulders. His older brother had saved him, sacrificed his own life so that his younger brother could live. And here's the point of that story. Because I don't think we usually get the gravity of what God did for us. We just go, Bible's kind of a cool book. They talk about it on the History Channel from time to time. Cool stuff. I don't think we catch the gravity. What Jesus did is he is the older brother. Jesus placed himself in such a way... With his crucifixion on the cross and his ultimate conquering of sin and death, he placed himself as the foundation for us so that we can stand on our shoulders, on his shoulders, and be free from sin and death. I don't know about you, but that's a huge gift. If I told you you can be free from burden and guilt and and all this stuff that just life pours onto us. If I told you you can be free from that, wouldn't you say, yes, whatever, whatever, what do I need to do? And this is what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take your place. I'm going to be the foundation so you can get on my shoulders and be free from sin. You can be free from death. And Jesus does that for us. But here's the key to Easter. We have unbelievable hope at Easter, but here's the key. You and I, we have to make the choice to get on Jesus's shoulders. That older brother, his sacrifice sacrifice means nothing, does it? Unless his younger brother actually gets on his shoulders. And the same is for you and I. Jesus has paid the price. He's already positioned himself to lift us above sin and so that we can be free from it. But we need to choose to get onto his shoulders. Otherwise, we're just going to keep sinking. We're just going to be suffocated by sin. And this is the beauty and the hope of Easter. That Jesus has already taken the act. He's already taken the step to save us, to be that foundation. But you and I have to choose. And so this is where we're at this morning for Easter. Jesus has taken that step. He's paid that price. He has placed himself as the foundation for all of us. But will you accept it? Because it takes three things. You have to first admit that you need saving. You have to admit that Jesus did and can raise you above sin. A lot of people don't believe that. Some of you in here maybe don't believe that. But I'm just saying that's the first step. You have to believe that. You have to admit that you need a Savior. We have a hard time with that as people. I have a hard time admitting I need help. I don't know about you. I do. My wife knows this. You know, when I'm struggling like crazy, I'll be like, no, I can do it. She knows this. Ask her. She'll tell you. (laughs) Tell her uh, our last plumbing escapade. (laughs) Laura, shut off the water, quick. (laughs) Yep. It was spraying everywhere. We need help. We cannot save ourselves from sin. Admit that Jesus, that you need Jesus. B is believe. We must believe that Jesus is real. If you don't believe that Jesus is real, then you certainly aren't going to accept him. If you don't believe that there's somebody under the sand that's willing to lift you up, you're not going to be like trying to find him. You have to believe that he's there, that he's real. That he died on the cross. That he actually rose from the grave. That the cross is empty. That it really worked. And then C, you have to commit. You have to commit your life to him for the rest of your life. Follow him. Follow what this book says. The word of God, the Bible. Admit you need him, believe in him, and commit your life to him. If you do that, then you can find yourself standing on your shoulders. We had a person just last Sunday that did that for the first time. She placed her, herself on Jesus' shoulders for the first time. She is now above sin. Not because of what she can do, but because of what Jesus did. And that he raises us above that and frees us from it. And the question for all of us here is, will you accept Jesus? Will you stand on his shoulders and be free from sin? My hope and prayer is this Easter that that is the hope that you cling to and that you choose. And yes, you can do that even today if you do those three things admit you need him, believe in him, and commit your life to him. The band's going to come up and we're going to pray. But if that is something that you want to do, if you're just unsure, uh, you say, I heard what you said. I, I hear that's what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't understand how to do it. You can just pray that prayer and you can tell Jesus that. And if you admit and you believe and you commit your life to him, Jesus says in his word, he promises, I am faithful. I will save you. You will be saved. You will be free from sin. You will be above the sand. That's what Jesus says. But if you're just still unsure, you're just not sure how that works, that's what those connect cards are for. You can write without having to be like, you know, raise your hand in the middle of church. Hey, I have a question. Right? The connect card is for you to write that question down and say, hey, I think I want to accept Jesus or I'm not sure, but I need to just talk. Let's have coffee. I'll drink hot chocolate. You can have your coffee. Okay? And we'll talk. But don't Wait. If you've wrestled with this for a long time, don't wait because Jesus is asking you now. And the window of opportunity, you just never know when you're going to get it again. As was illustrated by the two things that I did this week, twice. You just never know. So let's put our hope and our trust this Easter in Jesus, right? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. This agapao kind of love, this highest sacrificial, unconditional love that you have for us. No matter what we do, we cannot get out of your love. Lord, thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would, anybody that's in here that is wrestling with whether or not to really commit their life to you, to give their life to you like Peter eventually did and we, we know he wrote in the, in the Bible in 1st and 2nd Peter about his love, the highest form of love that he had for you. So he got there. I pray that there would be people in this room that would get there today. That they would place their hope, their trust, their faith and their belief in you today. And God may you help us To celebrate what you did on the cross. But even more, that you conquered sin and death on our behalf. Jesus, we give you praise for that. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to celebrate Easter this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.